coming up on the Children's Hour, we're going to learn about watersheds and what happens to them after a wildfire. With more and more wildfires blazing in our mountains around the world, watersheds, which provide the water source for people, animals, and agriculture, get contaminated by these fires. There are ways to restore watersheds in our forests, and we're going to learn more from the educational team at the New Mexico Forest and Watershed Restoration Institute. This episode is mixed with great music, and you're going to learn a lot about watersheds. Stick with us. Children's Hour is produced by the Children's Hour Incorporated. We're a New Mexico nonprofit that's supported by listeners just like you. Learn more about us and find hundreds of podcasts at childrenshour.org. It's time for the Children's Hour. Kids Public Radio. What happens when you get water on a table? I don't don't know. know. What? It becomes a pool table. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for the Children's Hour. Kids Public Radio. Have you ever jumped in a puddle just for play? Waited in a creek on a sunny day? Do you know how to swim? Do you love to splash? Do you like to blow bubbles in your bath? Well, you can't live without it, it goes with bread. If you don't have it, you'd be dead. Water, sweet water. Everybody needs sweet water. Clean water, clean water. Everybody needs clean water. Pick up some litter When I canoe with my kids on the river You never know what you'll find What some people leave behind I was paddling near a spring When I found the strangest thing There in the water Was a bottle of spring water Spring water, spring water Everybody needs spring water Clean water, clean Lots of stuff, it flows downstream But that ain't the stuff you wanna drink Don't pollute it, don't dilute it Don't add anything unnatural to it Gotta keep it clean on the river's bend For ourselves and our wild friends That water, sweet water Everybody needs sweet water Clean water, clean water Everybody needs clean water Sweet water, sweet That was clean water off all along the watershed. You're listening to the Children's Hour. I'm Katie Stone. I'm here with a lot of great kids at the Outpost Performance Space and on Zoom. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hi. And who do we have with us today? Hello, it's Amadeus. Hi, it's Daniel. Hello, this is Cade. Hi, it's Beth. Hi, it's Isaac. Today on the show, you guys, we're going to be talking about watersheds. Do you, do you know what a watershed is? No, I don't have the slightest clue, actually. It seems like a place where maybe you'd put, like, 
tools that go in your pool or something. But I don't think that's what it is. We're going to be speaking with people who are doing very complicated work in cleaning up watersheds after forest fires. We've got so much coming up. Stick with us. This is the Children's Hour. The rhythms and the lapping of the waves The oars lie patiently to take a drink I tiptoe down the rocks Wearing holes in all my socks Time stands still I think The sun wakes up and reaches through the dark The moon just shakes its head and waves goodbye I step into the boat, push off and there I float Time stands still, I sigh Down to the water no place here on earth I'd rather be Down to the water Time stands still with me I balance in the middle of the boat The wood is hard but greets me nonetheless In my hands I hold each oar Stroking further from the shore Time stands still, oh yes Down to the water No place here on earth I'd rather be Down to the water Time stands still with me Here on earth I'd rather be Down to the water Time stands still with me That was Down to the Water by Tim Seston off Who I Am. You're listening to the Children's Hour, and today on the show, we're learning about watersheds. We have a lot to learn. With us is Dr. Krista Bonfantine. She's an ecologist. Hello. Welcome to the Children's Hour. Hi. And we have Natalia Shaw. She is the Education and Outreach Coordinator for the New Mexico Forest and Watershed Restoration Institute. Hello, everyone. Hello. And we have your assistant with us, too, Raimundo Melendez. Welcome to the Children's Hour. Thank you. What exactly is a watershed? That's a great question. And I think most people might not have a complete understanding of what it is because it's not a shed that holds water. Um, But what it is, it's an area of land that is made up of streams, rivers, creeks, lakes, and that entire area of land, all that water drains to a common outlet. So that could be to a large river, an ocean or anything similar to that. And everyone lives in a watershed. 
no matter where you are on planet Earth. Yeah, we all live in a watershed. And I just thought I'd add in other parts of the world, they refer to watersheds as catchments or basins. And sometimes thinking about it as a basin, you can kind of think about it like your sink or your bathtub. And the water in your bathtub and your sink have two different basins, but they end up joining together in the pipe that leaves your house. And so that common outlet that Natalia mentioned, they're all nested together. So there's little tiny watersheds and they all fit together and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. When the water gets collected and goes through the watershed, where does it end up going after that? Watershed consists of water that we find on the surface of the land, so like a a lake, a river, but it also consists of the water underground. And both sources of that water is really important source of drinking water. Uh, Here in the Southwest, we rely on a lot of groundwater, and so that is a really crucial part of our watersheds. What exactly does your organization do? Yeah, so we work across the entire state of New Mexico. We also work with awesome people in Colorado and Arizona. And we work with a lot of communities to engage the larger community and state in protecting our watersheds and protecting the health of our forests. So some of our forests are in a state where they are currently degraded and we need to return them to a state of health. And there's other forests where we need to maintain their health. And so we do a lot of work with people and students just like you all to try to engage people in the work that creates healthy watersheds and healthy forests. What does some of that work look like? One of them is monitoring. We travel around the full state and we look at what has happened in previous years. So we start off at a certain year and then five years later we'll check that and we'll redo the same measurements on everything but they have to have a treatment okay so they might have a thinning they might have a prescribed fire they might have something that is making this forest less congested that's the best way i can say it is because some of these forests they have many different species so within these species some of them are fire adaptive and some of them are not so when you have these trees as a manager you got to actually see which ones can handle and which ones can't. So when you do your prescription, kind of like when when a doctor gives you a pill to say, you know what, hey, you know, you have a cold, you know, you're not doing too well. Well, as foresters, you know, and and here at the Mexico Forest and Watershed, we help assist BLM, State Forestry, Forest Service. And when we do monitor, you know, we do it every year. So after five years, 10 years, 15 years, we see how this land has, has changed and if it's doing well. So what we look into is what kind of vegetation is below to the top. And when I'm talking about that is I'm talking about grasses all the way up to big trees. We identify what tree species are there. So that's one thing that we look into is, hey, is this native or not? Are you looking at like how clean the water is? Do you take water samples and see if the water is clean? Well, rain trickles down into the river or into water, any water substance. So what's the first thing it hits? It's going to hit trees first. It's going to hit plants first before it hits the soil. So before anything is filtered, it has to go through, through that. So like, for example, after this fire that we had, the Calf Canyon Hermit's Peak fire, a lot of that soil got disintegrated. It got a lot of ash in it, and it's undrinkable water. So with all that water, you know, from rain coming down, it's hitting this soil that is now destroyed, you know, because it takes thousands of years for soil to be made. 
thousands. And when that little soil is disintegrated, it's like, all right, there's nothing here, so you're going to have a lot of flooding. And you don't have trees or, how should I say it? Like you don't have plants vegetation. Plants holding back the floods. Yeah. yeah. You don't have it holding it back because they're like anchors. Think of it as a ship. You know, you have your anchor. It's sturdy. It's safe. But when you have rain come down, it's like it gets pushes down fairly quickly. So when all this water is going down, it's coming down at a fast, fast motion. So when it goes into your water, it's basically undrinkable, unusable. You know, it's... It'll kill fish. It'll kill, you know, it'll kill us if we drank it, but it's always best not to even try that or drink it. You're hearing Ramundo Melendez. He's the Assistant Education and Outreach Coordinator for the New Mexico Forest and Watershed Restoration Institute. He's telling us why it's so important that our forests stay healthy, so our water does too. We've got so many more questions for our guests. Stay with us. This is the Children's Hour. Shape. I'm just a little drop of water. 
That was Drop of Water by Floor Bromley off Pachamama. Today in the Children's Hour, we're talking about watersheds and wildfires. Beth has our next question. How do you clean after a forest fire? Fixing an area of land that's been affected by a fire, we use the word restore. So bringing a degraded landscape back to a healthier state. And I think one of the first steps in doing that is restoring the relationship between humans and land. So one of the things that we do is we work with a lot of community members. These are the people that are on the ground that are some of the people that have been most impacted by fires. And so we work with people to try and teach them about what just happened on your land. What do we expect to see in the future? And... By answering those questions, we start to form a better understanding of how the land is working. And in that way, we have a better idea of how we can help restore it. So restoration is really the act of humans aiding nature to to return to that healthy state. And we also do that through educational activities. We work with K through 12 youth and we teach them about watershed, about forest health. What does a healthy forest look like? What does a healthy forest sound like? If you're walking in the forest, how do you know that whether or not that forest is healthy? So it takes a lot of work to restore a forest or even a watershed after a fire. But I think one of the first components is involving different communities, especially those that are being first impacted. Are you like planting plants to clean the water? Are you adding sand? I'm trying to understand what can possibly take water that has heavy metals and ash and make it clean enough to even use on irrigation. There's various methods and it really depends on the watershed. So one restoration method is replanting. And it's important to consider what types of plants you want to plant post-fire, but replanting is important for helping to hold soil in place so that we're not getting increased erosion when we have rains right now or just this past summer we had our monsoon season in which we had heavy rains and we saw a lot of the post-fire soils eroding into our water channels so our rivers our streams our creeks And although erosion is good and it's a natural process, too much of it is bad. And the only thing that holds that soil in place is plants. So bringing plants back is one form of restoration and helping a forest to recover. What are the main benefits of restoring a forest after a fire? So one is clean water. A lot of our water originates or starts in a forested landscape. And so if our forests are unhealthy, it's very likely that the water flowing downstream will also be unhealthy. So clean water is one benefit of a healthy forest. Another is activities that we all like to engage in. Some of us like to go camping, hiking, fishing, hunting, And all of those things we can do and really enjoy in a forest that is healthy. That's Natalie Shaw. She's the Education and Outreach Coordinator for the New Mexico Forest and Watershed Restoration Institute. Coming up after the break, more on forest fires and watersheds. You're listening to the Children's Hour. 
The Children's Hour is produced by the Children's Hour Incorporated, an educational nonprofit based in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We're listener supported at childrenshour.org. Support for the Children's Hour is provided by the New Mexico Museum of Natural History and Science, announcing Chocolate, the Exhibition, a multimedia science exhibit that engages the senses and traces the evolution of chocolate from a small bitter seed to the delicacy it is today. The exhibit runs through March 2023. More info at nmnaturalhistory.org. Support for the Children's Hour provided by Electric Playhouse, an immersive entertainment and events center in Albuquerque, New Mexico. The Playhouse is open. You can purchase tickets, learn about events, play, and other opportunities, including future locations and music shows at electricplayhouse.com.
That's Fire on the Mountain by the Grateful Dead. You're listening to the Children's Hour, and today on the show, we're learning about watersheds. And part of watersheds that's very important is the forests that they originate in. Let's find out from our friends at the New Mexico Forest and Watershed Restoration Institute, what does a healthy forest look like? How do we know we're in a healthy forest? Yeah, I'm going to say this again, but it depends on the forest type. For example, here in New Mexico, we see a lot of ponderosa pine forests. Historically, when we look at images of ponderosa pine forests, say from 100 plus years ago, we notice that trees are a lot more spread apart. We find a diversity of age in trees, and we find trees that are have a larger diameter or width. One way to tell whether a forest is healthy is by looking at the trees and looking at whether or not the trees themselves are healthy. And so a healthy tree will be a good indicator of a healthy forest. In an unhealthy forest, you may find trees that are a lot more closer together, that are very dense, something that we call a dog hair thicket, because it's almost like dog hair where it's so thick, it's almost hard to kind of pass through. But those trees, if we look at them, we'll notice that they're very thin and it's almost like they've been deprived of a lot of the nutrients that they need in order to grow. You mean their trunks are skinny? Yes, exactly. So we'll see skinnier trees and we'll look across a forest landscape and we'll notice a lot of times that we're finding trees that are around the same age as well. And... What happens is when you have a forest that's very dense with trees, it's easier for disease to spread. So think of being in a classroom where everyone is really close together and then one person coughs. That is going to be a lot easier to spread to other people versus if people are further apart from one another. And so the same goes for trees. And trees need their space, especially ponderosa pines. Another way to tell if a forest is healthy is looking at the wildlife. What type of wildlife are we finding in that forest? What type of plant species are we finding in that forest as well? So we like our forest to be very diverse. We don't want to have just one type of grass or one type of tree, one type of flower. We want different types because it'll attract different types of wildlife as well. How do animals know when to come back after a forest has healed? I think when their food comes back, that's when they come back. And so usually if you have a low severity fire and then you have light or good rains afterwards, we'll notice that some plants come back pretty quickly. And that's a good invitation for some wildlife to come back into the forest and take advantage of that, those fresh green plants. When a fire does come, okay, I know a lot of people say, you know, hey, it's it's mean, it's this big nasty thing, but it's really not that nasty. It's doing its job, okay? Fire has a purpose. It's cleaning up this area that needed it. It actually calls for it because some of those trees are sick. They're competing for nutrients. They're competing for food. And when fire comes, it makes this gateway of this entrance of space. So when they have this space, animals love going in there. They feel like it's like the best way because why? They get to be in a place where they could eat good where they could, you know, have a little bit of privacy, you know, because animals like to be together. So when they come in, they do a selective browsing. And when I'm talking about when trees do fall, 
Okay, when there's a tree that's down on the ground, or even if by fire it just fell down, they'll go around that. And that green up's coming in thicker on one area, so that leaves patchiness. And that's what you want. Because just by that selective eating or selective grazing or selective browsing, you have these patches inside an environment where it was like, oh, hey, you know, we're getting up some of these grasses that we really need. And that area is getting it, even though, you know, the animals missed it. But yes, it's it's really nutritional. They love it. There's beauty all around me. There's beauty all around me. There's beauty all around me.
sources of our flesh All the different crops Standing in the earth Arms stretched out to the daylight Of the sun who is our father Calling for the rain Come from where you dwell Little windblown cloud Thin wisp of cloud Streaks of low-hanging cloud Massed up clouds full of living water Caress the land with rain Bless this land with rain was Sweetwater Rolling by Peggy Seeger. And before that, Water is Life, Agua es la Vida, F. You Are Sacred and Good is Wagogo. They're a band out of New Mexico. You're listening to the Children's Hour. We're talking about watersheds and wildfires, two very important phenomenons to our planet. How does climate change affect the work you do? There's a lot of work to be done because fires are becoming... I call it bigger and badder. That's not really a scientific term, but the formal term is uncharacteristic wildfire. So we're seeing fire in places that have never had it before, like in Arctic ecosystems and the fires that we're having in places like New Mexico forests where fire should be a common occurrence. The fires are burning at higher severity and having more impacts where they're killing more trees and generally covering more ground. 
Yeah, and for a lot of organizations that are engaging in this restoration work, they have to do a lot of planning before they step on the ground and they start their restoration work. And climate change is adding a lot of unknowns and a lot of questions when it comes to planning. And so a lot of times when planning, you have to think about what are the weather conditions going to be like on a particular day. And you may plan ahead for that. But once you go out into the field and you step into the forest that day, the conditions could be completely different. And so we're dealing with a lot of unknowns. It's also making it so that us humans are having to collaborate more with each other and to learn from one another and share information so that we're better able to adapt to these changing conditions. Here in the forests of the Mountain West, we have ponderosa pines. They're beautiful. If you put your nose up against the bark of a ponderosa pine, it smells like butterscotch. But now that climate change is going to make, say, this area in New Mexico and in the Southwest so much warmer, and maybe now it's not such a hospitable place anymore for ponderosa pines, does that mean our forests are going to look totally, completely different after forest fire? Yes. One of the things that's happening around the world is that fire particularly high severity fire, forests are being replaced with shrublands because the conditions that existed when those trees first established no longer exist. That's one of the biggest problems. Even fire aside, one of the schools of thought is that we should be trying to help put forests where they're going to be better adapted. So that's called assisted migration. You mean like replant a whole forest somewhere else because it's a better place for that forest? Some of it might be like following a fire in a place that was ponderosa pine, let's say on a south facing slope that's somewhat dry. Should we replant ponderosa pine or should we replant pinon and juniper that might do better on that site. Particularly once the trees are gone in this environment, it becomes hotter and drier because you get so much more evaporation once you don't have that tree canopy to shade stuff anymore. So things like white bark pine that grow at high elevation are falling off the top of the mountain essentially because there's nowhere else for them to go that it's just getting totally inhospitable in their environment. That's Dr. Krista Bonfantin. She's an ecologist. We're learning about watersheds and forests after fire. Coming up, we're going to learn how we can take care of our forests, even if our climate is changing. More in a moment. You're listening to the Children's Hour Kids Public Radio. We'll be right back. Outpost Performance Space in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is a proud supporter of the Children's Hour. Find out more at outpostspace.org. Support for the Children's Hour provided by United Way of Central New Mexico. The Children's Hour is supported in part by an award from New Mexico Arts, a division of the New Mexico Department of Cultural Affairs, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Support for the Children's Hour is also provided by the City of Albuquerque's Cultural Services Department and the Urban Enhancement Trust Fund. 
Support for the Children's Hour is provided by Token Ibis, a nonprofit making philanthropy accessible to everyone. To sign up, go to tokenibis.org. It's a great big world. Little drop of water. A great big world. Little drop of water. A great big world. Little drop of water. The little drop of water's got a long way to go. It bursts from a cloud. It plops on the ground. It squishes in the mud until the sun goes down. Gives a drink to the grass. Covers it with Little Drop of Water from Beth Nielsen Chapman and our friends in Kidpan Alley. We have just a few more minutes with our guests from the New Mexico Forest and Watershed Restoration Institute. What can we and some of the listeners at home do to help after a forest fire has happened? There's a lot you can do to help before a forest fire happens in terms of helping maintain healthy watersheds. 
after a fire, something that I like to do is spread native seeds from, so the plants that are there that are producing seeds, like last month when I was looking around in the forest, if if something had seeds that were ready, I just kind of spread them, spread them around. I didn't bring seeds with me from somewhere else, but I just took seeds that were around the burned area and spread them around. What can people do to protect the watersheds around them? This is a hard thing to say in New Mexico right now, but one of the best things in the Western U.S. is to support prescribed fire because Sometimes we think the places that we hike, we don't want to see those places burned, but we actually need fire in Ponderosa. Ponderosa likes to have fire every 10 years, give or take. And so in the Grand Canyon, they've actually added their fire management. They've been very active in how they manage fires so that people can still come and enjoy the Grand Canyon but they might be having a burn while people are there. And so being flexible and supportive about those things because they need to happen. And I really hope that we'll have more opportunities that people will be able to see and learn about prescribed fire. What could kids do when they're in the, in the woods? Even as simple as staying on the trails that exist there. That helps with preventing further erosion from happening, which adds to further deposition into stream channels, which then contributes to degraded water quality. But even something as simple as staying on the trails, uh, picking up after yourselves, there's a saying that goes, leave no trace. So when you're in the forest, you want to leave it better or as it was when you came. I was just thinking, uh, since I was a kid, I remember uh, there was a good uh, conservation cartoon of Woodsy Owl, and he'd always say, give a hoot, don't pollute. Even as a kid, you know, just picking up trash, leaving an area the way it was when you got there, respect it. Because, I mean, even the grass you step on, you know, that's living. The trees you're seeing, it's living. And I know a lot of people don't, uh, don't say they don't have a voice, but they actually do. And I want to share something with you all today. Trees do talk, all right? They talk by pheromones, and pheromones is a scent. Think of it as a cologne or perfume, or like if you have this nice soap, think of it as that. They have a nice smell. So yes, they can't move, but they do speak, and they do brush up against each other with their branches. So I say just have a lot of respect for it, because it's providing for you. Mm, do no harm in the forest. Thank you so much. That's Raimundo Melendez and Natalia Shaw. They're from the New Mexico Forest and Watershed Restoration Institute. And thanks for being with us on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Krista Bonfantin, an ecologist, for also being with us today. Thank you. When the world's moving fast And I'd rather move slow when my mind's spinning circles, there's one place I know. I can sit there and ponder the things that I've learned. I can dream of tomorrow as I watch your water turn. While I rest on your banks, look around and give thanks for my life. Trout are all leaping so high 
was The River, off of a brand new release called Smith and Yarn. It's Aaron Nigel Smith and Red Yarn. You're hearing water drums. It's a recording of the Baca forest people of Cameroon. Water can even be an instrument. It's amazing how everything in our natural world is so connected. We think of fire and water as opposites. And yet, our forests and our watersheds, they need each other in order to thrive. Today I learned our watersheds rely on forests to stay clean. And our forests need fire to stay healthy and feed our wildlife. Even today, all of the water that fills our watersheds was around when the dinosaurs walked on the planet. And it's because of forests and the fires that keep them clean that we get to use that water. We have a lot more information posted and linked at childrenshour.org. Look for this episode, Watersheds and Fire. Sweet water, sweet water. 
Sweet water off the land of the Yangalele. And we'll close out with California Fire by DJ Willie Wow. I'm Katie Stone. Thanks for listening to the Children's Hour. 911, what is your emergency? You are not going to believe this. You are not going to believe this. What is your emergency? We have an unidentified creature. It looks like a Sasquatch. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Oh, no.
already noticed. Where did he go? Someone call 911! Fire trucks are coming! Children's Hour is an independent production of the Children's Hour Incorporated, a New Mexico nonprofit corporation. Our show is written by Katie Stone, with help from all of us and the kids' crew. Find lots of information about us at childrenshour.org. Many thanks to our guests, Dr. Krista Bonfantin, Raimundo Melendez, and Natalie Shaw. We had production help from Christina Stella and Chad Shear. Our podcast can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Or at patreon.com slash the children's hour. Or ask your smart speaker to play the children's hour podcast. We post our photos and more on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Find us at TCH Radio. Our theme music is written by C.K. Barlow. The Children's Hour is distributed by the Children's Hour Incorporated, PRX, and the Pacifica Radio Network. Thanks for listening to the Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio.